So this Lent at St. Peter's, we are focusing on the practice of Sabbath. And there's that saying, practice what you preach. And I am hard pressed to think of a topic other than the Sabbath where there is a greater disparity between what I'm about to say and how I actually live. So 15 years ago at my former church, All Angels, we did a series, a Lenten series about spiritual practices. And among our teaching team, I was the one who got stuck with preaching about the Sabbath. And you know what? Everyone laughed. Why? Because they all knew that my spirit animal is a chicken running around with its head cut off. You know, I was the one who was always like running around, really frenzied. I was the one who was emailing people on Saturdays with my stress about Sundays, which added to their stress about Sundays. And like any other practice in that series, prayer, confession, scripture, you know, anything I could speak with some measure of authority and at least a little bit of integrity from my life. But the Sabbath was nowhere to be found. So I began to attempt to introduce a Sabbath practice into my life, like honestly, not out of guilt, but out of desperation. So the, the Chinese pictograph for the word busy is composed of two characters. One is heart and the other is killing. Heart and killing. And busyness and frenzy and stress were killing my heart, but I didn't know how to stop. And I've longed for and wrestled with and delighted in and conveniently ignored the Sabbath over these past 15 years. And you would think by now, after 15 years, that I would be some kind of a Sabbath expert. But as my loving and truth-telling and incredibly annoying husband, Jimmy, will tell you, Christine will choose work over almost anything else. And that's a problem. I need the Sabbath. So on one hand, the decision to focus on Sabbath this Lent is quite selfish. But on the other hand, you need the Sabbath too, even if you don't know it yet. Our world, our weary world needs the Sabbath. So it, the Sabbath is so deep and multi-layered and rich. It's this golden thread that's woven throughout scripture with the seeds of Sabbath planted in Genesis and then the fruit of Sabbath in Revelation. It's all throughout scripture. The Sabbath will challenge basic assumptions of things you take for granted, like if you truly believe that God is God and if you can trust God. The Sabbath is personal, it's social, it's political, it's economic. It's about delight and community and justice and liberation. Five weeks of Lent, and even 15 years of life, is not long enough to plumb the depths of the Sabbath, but we have to begin somewhere. So let's just start with, what is the Sabbath? Like, isn't that just a Jewish thing? Or isn't just another name for Sunday where we go to church instead of go to work? So the Sabbath finds its origins in our New Testament, our Old Testament reading for today. So in Genesis 1, we have this beautiful story that begins in darkness and void when suddenly light. And God speaks life into being in all of this beautiful diversity and this rhythm of creating and then stepping back to say, it is good. It's so good. 
culminating in the crown of God's creation, human beings who are made in God's very image. And then in Genesis 2.1, as Ian read, it says, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating he had done. And I love how Exodus 31:17 it adds to that little sentence and it says and on the seventh day God rested and was refreshed. Like that word refreshed in Hebrew is vanyafesh and it literally means God breathed. God exhaled. So imagine God after all the work of creation just going ah that is Sabbath, the inhale and the exhale, work and rest. And all of creation lives and moves within that inhale and that exhale of God's. So I just want you to do it with me right now. Take a deep inhale, and then just go, ah. One more time, inhale, ah. That's Sabbath. The rabbi Abraham Heschel points out that the first time, the very first time the word holy is used in scripture here in our passage, it's not referring to a holy place or a holy object, but to time. The holiness of time, the sacredness of time, time set apart for this holy and sacred purpose. And that the reason scripture gives for why the seventh day was made holy is because God rested on that day. That Hebrew word for the word for rest is Shabbat. That's how where we get Shabbat, Sabbath. And it means literally to stop, cease, pause, rest. Marvadon writes that God rests at creation not because he is tired but because rest is a sign of completion and abundance. The universe is so well-ordered, the creation is so good, God's gifts to humanity are so generous that God is able to rest. Did you know that remembering the Sabbath is one of the Ten Commandments? It's the one we conveniently ignore. And in both versions of the Ten Commandments, the Sabbath command is grounded in God's very nature and character and in God's loving covenant relationship with Israel. So in the first version of this, in Exodus 28, it says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. On it you shall not do any work. And then here's the reason they give. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. In other words, rest because God created the world. And God is the one who keeps it running, not you. Rest because God is so good and so loving and generous that we might actually notice and appreciate that if we could stop running around long enough to enjoy God's goodness and love and care and provision for us. Even God in God's self enjoys these good gifts. So that's one reason. The second reason that the Sabbath command gives is that we Sabbath because God is also our redeemer. 
So Deuteronomy 5, it'll say, the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God, and then here's the reason you Sabbath. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. So Dorothy Bass writes that God is a God who frees rather than enslaves. The God who offers lavish blessing rather than endless toil. Why do we keep the Sabbath? To exercise and recall the one from whom that freedom came, the one from whom it still comes. You know what free people can do that slaves can't? Rest. And the Sabbath command here was a reminder to Israel, you are no longer slaves. Like that is not who you are. Pharaoh does not own you. Pharaoh does not own your body. You are not a machine. You are free, my beloved children, made in my image. And so claim this inheritance of rest that I have given you. you know, remember the Sabbath is such a good Lenten discipline because it strikes to the heart of the ways in which we are in bondage individually and as a society. Just no matter where you stand on that economic ladder, you talk to folks who are living on the streets and they will tell you, I'm exhausted. You spend just one day in the life of a person who is homeless and you know, trying to access the services, the, the, the very services they need to get off the streets. And it is so soul-crushingly difficult and complicated, you would not believe. Even the most competent person couldn't navigate that, much less when you're at the lowest point in your life. But then you talk to some of the most outwardly successful and wealthy people in our society. And while it can be hard to feel compassion, for them, the golden handcuffs are very real, and they're in bondage to that. But we have friends who, you know, they have everything, these beautiful homes, they make millions of dollars every year, and they are enslaved to the idol of more and to this economic system that crushes them and all those impacted by it, this grind culture that dehumanizes us all when we buy into it. So how can you remember the, the Sabbath, this Lent? How can we live into practically this God-ordained rhythm of rest and work, the inhale and the exhale? So on the Sabbath, we do four things. We stop our work, we rest in God, we delight in God's good gifts, and we embrace the freedom that God has given us in Christ. So I want to give us just a few practical suggestions for this. So this is going to feel really radical, but just for these five weeks of Lent, I want to challenge you to consider committing one 24-hour period a week to rest and not to work. Now, I realize that this may not be possible for everyone. You know, sometimes people say that Sabbath feels like a luxury for the privileged few. You know, so many people are busting their chops trying to make ends meet and put food on the table, and I, I get that. And we have so far to go in reflecting on what does it mean actually to, to kind of think about Sabbath, you know, even in economic terms. So that's a, a whole topic for another time. 
But I love um, the story that Trisha Hersey, she's, um, she's called the Nap Bishop. Isn't that an awesome name, like an awesome ministry centered around naps? It's so much deeper than that. But she's called the Nap Bishop. And she shares a story about her grandmother, who was the child of sharecroppers. And the, you know, her grandmother worked her hard and long hours for her entire life. She said that like during her grandmother's lunch break, she would come home and she would sit on the couch for 15 minutes and she would just close her eyes. Like little kids would be like running around all around her. And Trisha says she remembers her grandmother saying, I'm just resting my eyes. And she would say, you know, it seems like such a small and inconsequential thing, but that was her grandmother's way of proclaiming to the system, you don't own me. I am not a machine. And so I'm gonna take these 15 minutes and I'm gonna claim that rest and I'm gonna rest my eyes. And Trisha will say, you know, I rest because I know my ancestors couldn't rest. And so I'm resting for myself. I'm resting for all of them who couldn't rest. Now, some of us may be in a similar situation, but the reality is, is that many of us are not. And it is our choice not to rest. It's our choice to not accept our human limitations and to just push ourselves beyond the limits, our own limits. And it keeps us from really trusting God to be God. But if 24 hours is truly not possible for you, you know, consider six hours, maybe even three hours, if that's what it takes. It's better to just start somewhere. And Sabbath practice is really about what's that, that set-apart holy time going to be about? You know, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to come and like just pray, you know, that entire time. Sabbath, remember, it's about good, the goodness of God and the freedom of God. So whatever the Sabbath is, it should be about delight, about community, about the things that bring you joy and life, sensuality, you know, the things that delight our senses, you know, eating good food. The rabbis would even say that righteous couples should make love on Friday nights as part of their Sabbath practice. So what would it look like for you this Lent to enjoy life in the body, just being a creature in the presence of your loving creator? You know, maybe it's saying, okay, every week I'm gonna get outside and I'm gonna take a walk and just enjoy beauty. What if you were to host a Sabbath dinner in your home with friends and with loved ones during Lent? I know a lot of folks have kids and young kids, so it, doesn't, it really doesn't feel like a season of rest for you, right? But there are seasons of life, right? And it's gonna look different in every season. But what a gift it would be if your kids grew up remembering that there's this one day of the week when the family lights candles maybe blesses the day where we, we would eat their favorite foods and took naps and walks together and that their parents are just available to them and present to them in a special way. Here's something really radical. What if on the Sabbath, we put our screens away? I just felt the anxiety level shoot up in the room. That would be radical, right? 
um, on our website. I'll point, there's a, we have some Sabbath resources on our website, and there's a podcast episode with a, a writer named um, Tiffany Schlein, who's written a book called 24-6, and she's a, she would call herself a secular Jew, but she has radically put into this practice of no technology on the Sabbath, and it's quite inspiring and challenging, so I encourage you to check that out. But maybe, like, maybe that just feels like too much. So on March 18th, we have designated that a church-wide Sabbath day. You know, so even if you don't do it every week, like just even like one day in Lent, just try it. You know, maybe that's the day that you try your, your tech Sabbath. So as we reflect on the Sabbath and really like press into it um, this Lent, um, I want us to just sit with what I've, I've said. I've only just scratched the surface of this, of what Sabbath is. But as I close, I wanted to just sit with this for a moment. So in just a moment, I'm going to give you a minute to reflect on as you consider the Sabbath. You know, where do you feel kind of a sense of, of resonance and longing even? Even just a little glimmer of desire to try to introduce that practice into your life. But then also, where do you feel resistance? and opposition, you know, as you hear me talking about the Sabbath, maybe all these sort of reasons why you can't do that come popping into your head. So I'm gonna invite Drew to come and, and share a poem just to help center us as we enter into that time of just with one minute of reflection as we continue our worship together. This poem is called Sabbath. And this poem has an epigraph from Rabbi Abraham Heschel, in which he says, there is a realm of time where the goal is not to have, but to be. Not to own, but to give. Not to control, but to share. Not to subdue, but to be in accord. This sanctuary in time offers us the gift of return. It beckons us back to our genesis, where being human is all we seek to accomplish. It was given not for us to serve it, but to serve us. A fountain of grace where we remember that we are not our labor that our true vocation is the double love of God and neighbor. It is a day for reorientation and recalibration, where celebration takes center stage. On this day, we renew our connection with the community of all that has been made and with the maker of all created things. <laughs> 